in World War II, there was something as we, as the United States, the Allied forces, the Americans, the British fought against Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany had something that was a definite advantage for many, many years, and it was a decoder system called the Enigma. And they were able to communicate with their ships, submarines, uh, whatever, and they were able to communicate that. And the United States and Britain sought for years to try that if we could just get the Enigma machine, one, that they wouldn't know about it, we would be able to intercept and know what they're saying. We would be able to intercept and disrupt their communication. Well, as Providence would have it, the Allied forces, the British rather, actually were able to capture a submarine. If you ever saw the movie, which is just a movie, but it does kind of talk about this, U-571 with Matthew McConaughey, that, that's the whole premise of the movie. It's a good movie, um, so uh, watch it sometime. But they, it's the whole about the capture of the Enigma machine. Here's, here's the point of talking about that, is that in any type of warfare, if communication can be disrupted, if communication can be disputed, if, if, if communication um, it can be affected, it's going to uh, break the enemy, it's going to confuse, and it's going to hinder and make their ability to engage in warfare that much, uh, you know, make it difficult. And so there is a spiritual principle that we want to know God. God has created us for intimacy, and God has created us for relationship. And so one of the tacks of the enemy is for us not to be engaged in communication with our Heavenly Father. And He's given us a means and tools to do that. And the fact that God has saved us and filled us with the Spirit and, and that He desires this relationship and desires for us to know His voice, to hear His voice. And so the principle this morning, before we look, we're just going to look at a couple of verses, but mainly spend some time in the book of Habakkuk. But victory, our spiritual victory, uh, and we want to walk in spiritual victory. We want to walk in a, in a uh, renewed sense of knowing God and, and feeling the breath of God, feeling the wind of God on our back where, again, we're not talking about perfection because the only way we're perfect is being perfect in Christ. Amen? But we want to walk with a sense of, of, of a sense of, uh, of God's uh, will, knowing God's will. That's important. I know, Susanna, how many times we prayed and, you know, for the sale of your house and, and just to know God's will and, and, and to know that God desires not to play games with us. He's not trying to hide things. He's not just trying to frustrate us, but he desires to walk with us and communicate with us. And so our spiritual victory is dependent upon the ability to communicate to him without hindrance. Sin will hinder that, right? Uh, disobedience will hinder that. But we want to have an ongoing communication knowing that the opposition, the enemy, desires to interrupt that communication for us to hear clearly uh, the voice of God. And, and uh, there's many ways that God does it. But it's two scripture that I want to just kind of use as foundational before we look at Habakkuk. And the um, and first one is in John 10, 27. And I do have that on the screen. And it's a familiar passage. Jesus says, my sheep hear, do what? They hear my voice. His sheep, talking about his people. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So Jesus clearly teaches in John chapter 10 that communication with his people, with his flock, and we are his flock, he is our shepherd, 
that uh, he communicates with us, he walks with us, he uh, desires for us to to know him as the good shepherd. And then the second verse that we'll just kind of preview and we'll talk about it in Habakkuk 2.1, and we'll give a little context in a little bit. But Habakkuk, the prophet, he's a minor prophet uh, just because his book isn't as long as Isaiah or Ezekiel, so some, some, we call him a minor prophet. Uh, Habakkuk says, at the, at, and we'll look at chapter 1 before he talks about what he's asking, but it's this scripture. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he, God, will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Ooh, he had a complaint? I know nobody in here has ever complained to God, but this prophet complained to God. He's going to wait and see what God has to say about that complaint. So let's pray, and uh, we'll, we'll get into the Word this morning. Father, we again welcome you and thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the time of worship and the time that we could pray and give thanks for Susanna, Lord, as she uh, embarks on this new journey. We're so full this morning of just your goodness in our life. Lord, I know that in a place this morning, a gathering like this, Lord, there are multiple needs. There's lots of things that are on people's minds and hearts that are weighing them down and and worries and pressures. And and so, Lord, I believe that if a person uh, is, is a believer of the day, I believe that everyone can say, this morning that I want to hear God's will in my life. I want to hear God's direction in my life. I want to have more clarity to hear God's voice uh, guiding me and walking with me uh, throughout my day. And those issues and strains and and pressures that I'm up against, God, I need a word from you. I need to hear you speak into my life and give me direction. And Lord, I pray that I will just uh, uh, make myself available to hear this morning your word of how you desire to do that. And so, Lord, we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Christianity is unique among, if you could say, religions in that Christianity, apart from other religions, offers a personal relationship with the Creator, beginning, uh, beginning not only when he, because He made us, but it's a relationship that He desires to have with us throughout all eternity. And, of course, the gospel reminds us that even while we were yet sinners, even while we were yet enemies, God initiated through Christ to have and establish the means to repair that lack of relationship through, through Christ. Jesus said himself in John 17, 3, he said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus's purpose on earth was that he would communicate and that he would reveal who God is, that we would know God. Uh, and so that relationship is embedded in the very purpose of what Jesus came to do. And when God made man and woman in the uh, Genesis chapter 1, when he created humankind, we are reminded again that he desired to speak with his creation. He desired relationship. And you don't have to turn to it, but just say it as a reference. In, John, or in Genesis chapter 1, when it speaks about, let us make man in our own image, and it speaks about how that mankind, humankind, was to have dominion over all the created things. And then in verse uh, 27, it says how God created mankind in his, in, in his image. And then it says, verse 28, then God blessed them and said to them. What did he do? He's talking to them. 
He made them, and then God said, here's what I want you to do. Be fruitful and multiply. The only point is that from the very beginning, God has made us to speak to us, to communicate to us. And the reason that's important in your life and my life is because we as believers, as followers of Christ, we want to know, I hope we do, we want to know what God's will is for our life. We want to know what God's purpose is for my life. And we want to know God's direction. We don't want to just, you know, wander aimlessly and say, God, where are you in all this? And, and so, God, direct me, speak to me. And now we know that how God has designed to do this is that God has given us the Word, His Word. God has given us Scripture. And so that is the primary way that we understand and have as a guide and as a measurement to know what God's Word is. But at the same time, God is not established where He has just said, look, I've given you the manual and the information, and that's it. Some of uh, you know the history of our country and know that while many had a general Judeo-Christian understanding, many of the what we call the founding fathers, like Benjamin Franklin and some of the others, they had what is called a deist view of God. And all that means is, is that they believed in God, but their concept of God was not the God of the Bible. They believed in a creator, in a, in a God that was kind of in a general sense, but this is the way they looked at God in a deist, D-E-I-S-T, is they believed that there was a God who created, there's a God who made, but he established laws on the earth, and he's essentially kind of gone off on an eternal vacation. And the way that God has operated, or the way that God works in the earth, is through laws and, and, and the, his created order. But he's not personal. That's the main thing I, I want you to catch in that. He's not a personal, intimate God. He's just a God who's made everything, created laws, law of gravity, uh, all those fixed laws, and he's gone. So if we want to know God, we know him in, in essence through creation and science and et cetera, et cetera. That is, not, that is not the picture of Scripture. But Scripture does speak to us in written form, but also what is the testimony of Scripture? Is God's relationship with humans, with people just like us, and how he spoke to them, how he walked with them, how he communicated with them. So the, many times the Bible says uh, and has the phrase, and the Lord says. Think about Abraham. Think about David. Think about all the people in the Bible and how God directed them, how God guided them. Uh, we read that scripture in John ten twenty seven, and just kind of give you a little context of that, what, of, what, of what's above it. That's uh, the passage where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they're known by me. And other sheep which I have are not of this fold. They I must bring and into the fold. And then he says, and they will hear what? My voice. They will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so we want to talk this morning about hearing the voice of God. Now, hearing the voice of God, uh, sometimes we have competition with that voice, don't we? We have the world, what we call the world, the culture that's 
always kind of clamoring and pushing alternative messages at us, right? We, we, you know, we're, they're trying to get our attention. Uh, of course, sometimes uh, there is the aspect of what the Bible talks about, Satan. There are times in which the enemy wants to communicate contrary and false views and ideas that, that are pushing up against uh, us, oftentimes energized by our own sin and disobedience. And so that's being, uh, that's competitive to the voice of God. Sometimes it's just the voice of our own self. And I use this verse verse as a reminder in Proverbs 14, 12. Remember this? There is a way that seems what? Right to a man, to a woman, but its end is the way of... There's a way that seems reasonable. It seems right. It, you know, it seems, you know, it makes sense that God would have me do something that his word clearly says because it just seems right that God wants me happy, even if that means violating clearly what Scripture teaches. And so it seems right. What was the, uh, now this is not in my notes, so it's always dangerous when I do this. Uh, Remember the Debbie Boone song, You Light Up My Life? And that line, how could it be so wrong when it, what? That's the mantra of our world and culture, isn't it? There's a way that seems right. The Bible speaks of Israel was in a time in their, in their existence when they, when, they only, when they did only that which seemed right in their own eyes. We don't want to be like that, do we? We want to hear the voice of God, and we hear it through the Word of God, but at the same time, we hear it in the, in the Spirit of God working in the believer's life. You see, that's why Jesus told his disciples to go and wait for the, for the coming of the Spirit. Because up until that time, the disciples only related and understood Jesus externally, but now the Spirit of Christ was going to dwell in them fully and personally. Big difference. Big difference. And so the Holy Spirit working in our life talking and working and and applying His Word and directing us, we want to cultivate that. We want more of that. And so this morning, if you have found, I gave you a good 15 minutes to find uh, the book of Habakkuk, and uh, hopefully you've found it, but I hope you'll have your Bibles and uh, and follow along. Just a few quick four principles that uh, I love the book of Habakkuk, and one of the reasons I love the book of Habakkuk is because he's not afraid uh, maybe he should be, but he's not, and God doesn't rebuke him in any way for doing this. But he has some questions for God. In fact, he's got a complaint. We saw that in chapter 2, verse 1 of it. But he said, I'm gonna, all right, I've, I've asked God what I'm going to ask him, and now I'm going to step back, and I'm going I'm to see what he has to say. And so the way to understand the, the book of Habakkuk is this, and here, here's a quick thumbnail sketch of the whole book, and I encourage you to, to read it. Uh, it it's not long, uh, but Habakkuk asks, essentially it starts out, Habakkuk is a prophet to, at this time in Israel, the southern kingdom called Judah. And again, you can kind of look that up if you're not familiar with uh, the, the history there, but Israel has been divided in two. And at this 
uh, point in time in history. Uh, he's a prophet that's primarily uh, a prophet working in the southern half of, of, of Israel. Okay, we'll just kind of leave it at that. And as we know, or as you hopefully know a little bit from, from your study or reading the Bible, is that Israel, well, Judah, we'll use that interchangeably, but Israel uh, descended into moral corruption, and it became worse and worse over time. And so the reason that Israel ultimately was captured and, and taken and, and imprisoned in and, and exile in Babylon and the temple was destroyed and the nation was essentially destroyed was because that was a judgment of God upon his own people. He, did not, he wasn't annihilating Israel. He wasn't doing away with Israel. But he is a God who will judge. And the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. He promised that, look, if you do not walk in my ways, here's the consequences. And so that's kind of right on the cusp of where Habakkuk is ministering in the southern part of Israel at this time frame. They haven't been invaded by Babylon yet, but it's coming. And so uh, he cries out to God in chapter 1 and says, God, how can you let all this evil go on among your people? That was his complaint. Now, we've never, ever said, God, why aren't you paying attention to me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? We're not that kind of church. I know we have a perfect prayer life. You know, we would never say that, right? No, you bet. I bet everybody said, some of you may have even said it this morning. God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something about this issue and this problem? And so he's crying out to God in chapter 1, God, why are you allowing all this rotten evil to go on among your people? And in chap- remember, and so chapter 2, verse 1, is kind of the, he concludes that, and he says, okay, I'm going to stand on my watch. I'm going to wait for your answer to my complaint. Like, okay, God, I've kind of brought it to you. Let's, let's bring it on. And chapter 2, in essence, is this. God's saying, oh, I'm so glad you raised that issue because I'll give you a little insight. I'm not going to let that continue. In fact, I'm raising up one of Israel's enemies, the Babylonians, and they're getting ready to invade and execute my judgment for the very thing that you complained about in chapter 1. And what happens to Habakkuk? Something, sometimes the things we don't like. Sometimes we ask God for something. He gives us an answer, and what happens? Uh, that's not really what I was looking for, God. <laughs> and Habakkuk goes into the next round of questioning with this. God, how could you be so holy and use a rotten enemy like the Babylonians to judge your wonderful, sweet people. Now, that's a different tune that he's singing that he wasn't singing in chapter 1. And then what I love is by the time we come to chapter 4, God doesn't really have to explain himself. Have you kind of figured that out? Job. You know, Job had a lot of questions about God, and God really didn't have to explain. You know what God tends to do? He tends to just say, Look up at me. I'm God. I got it. I got it in control. And you just need to focus on on me. Quit thinking and worrying about how this is going to play out. Just look to me. And so when we come to the end of Habakkuk, chapter 4, we find Habakkuk, who was kind of this guy, I'm going to stand and listen to God and answer my question, challenged him. And we come to the end of chapter 4, he basically says, you're God. You're God. That's That's all he has to say. But in the process, we can glean four principles this morning 
in this theme or what we're looking at about hearing the voice of God. And so there's four things, four principles that I want us just to look at quickly this morning. If we are going to cultivate and hear uh, God in, in communicating and working in our life. And the first is, is that there, are, and these, aren't, well, these won't be on the screen, so if you want to write these down, uh, don't do it to humor me. Do it because maybe, again, this is one of the ways we hear God is we're engaging in his word. Amen? So uh, I encourage you to make notes or bring your Bibles and do that. But first of all, there must be a hunger to hear. Listen, if you have no desire, if you have no desire to know God's purpose and will for your life, you're probably not going to know much about it. You're not going to communicate with him. There's got to be some level of hunger and desire. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it begins, this is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. Verse 2, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen Violence is everywhere. I cried out, but you do not come to save. In other words, he's saying, God, I need to hear you. Everything is going chaotic. Everything is going to hell. But God, I need your voice. I need you to speak into my life. There's got to be a hunger and a desire. And I wonder if oftentimes what happens, and this is always the tension in a church that we want to certainly grow, we should never put the Word of God up against the work of the Spirit. It's a Word and Spirit that works together. And so we don't want to create this intellectual, theological, brain, you know, mind-expanding group that only knows God through just an expanse of our intellect. We need to know God. We need to know His Word. God doesn't bless stupidity and ignorance, okay? We're challenged to, to know Him. And to, but at the same time over here... God, at the same time, has made us and, and, and put the Spirit of God in us for us to have an intimacy where we cry out, Abba, Father. Well, we have a Father, Daddy. We have that intimacy and that walking. The old hymn, He walks with me and He talks with me. We want that type of relationship. But if, just like on a human level, have you ever tried to pursue a relationship with somebody that doesn't really want it? How far did that go? Hopefully you didn't marry him. Hello? Well, I'll change him when I get married. Yeah, that never works. Only God can change somebody's heart. But if there's not a desire, there's not a hunger, probably nothing's going to happen. You see, in the times of my life, when I was going through dark trials, testings, I did not need another sermon. I didn't need a, a new teaching on the book of Revelation. I did not need a, to read a book. I didn't need a seminar. I didn't need to listen to some new song from Hillsong. You know what I needed ultimately? I needed my Heavenly Father to speak calm to my storm. Hello? Now, does that mean he doesn't use his word or even a song from him? You know, I'm not saying that. I need God to tell the storm in my life, be still, be still. I need a word from God. 
I need God's presence and His Spirit speaking to me. Secondly, there must be a hunger to hear. But secondly, and I think this is so important, and this ties into Habakkuk 2.1, the scripture that I had on the screen, a hunger to hear. But secondly, we must be aligned for an answer. We must be in alignment for an answer. To read again Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand on my watch. Remember, he's given his complaint. He's given his, his request in chapter 1. And now he says, I'm going to align myself, my words. I'm going to put myself in alignment now to hear God. Uh, I alluded to this earlier that, that we want God to speak into our lives as long as it usually kind of just comforts and supports kind of what we want to do. And so when God works and moves and begins to do something contrary, we're not real, you know, that, that isn't real exciting. But there must be, the point is, is that if I'm just going and praying and asking God to reinforce my own desires or my heart, whether it's, purpose, whether it's the will of God or it's not, then that God doesn't, God doesn't give me those kind of little courtesy blessings. He's committed his son into my life through his very blood, his body, his death. I belong to him. And so God is going to conform me continually. And uh, just like if you've ever been to a chiropractor, that he oftentimes has to put your back in what? Alignment. Because it affects the entire what physical body. So if I'm not put positioning myself, not just kind of this almost this idea you see Habakkuk in chapter two one. Like what are you going to do about my complaint? But no, God, I need your speak to your servant. I want to know you. I want to hear what you have to say, even if it rocks my little world. I need you to speak into this situation. And sometimes he'll do that by saying, well, the reason you're not in alignment, the reason you're having all these issues is because you have areas of unforgiveness over here that you just refuse to deal with. Hello? I, you know, that isn't exactly where I was going, Lord. You always bring that up. Yeah. We're wanting to like advance, but God says, let's go back to the last thing I told you to do. No, 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 I want to, I want to, no, no, no. Always going to pull back, no, got to get this right. Remember the Bible says if you bring an offering, you know, and, and, he, and the Bible says about it's better to just lay it at the altar and go and reconcile with your brother or sister than to think God's going to be impressed with your offering. We tend to do that. We, we tend to go from disobedience and then we want to do some grand gesture to impress God, Right? God says, I just want you to, if you want to hear my voice, then you need to align yourself. And I would even add this part to it. Align yourself with a predisposition to obey whatever God says to you. Sometimes our cars will get out of alignment. 
And one of the ways that you can tell a car is out of alignment is because when you hit a certain speed, 30, 40 miles an hour, what will often start happening? Start shaking, you know, and and if you don't deal with it, it's going to run your tires, it's going to, you know, it's going to run your car. It's out of alignment. So when you get in alignment, what happens is, and, and see the way our life is. When, when there's areas in our life that are not in alignment or predisposed to obeying God, we get the shakes, fear, panic. We start, you know, oh, God, where are you? What? But then God just says, let's just get first things first. Let's get things in order with your life. I'm God. You're not. Let's get in alignment. And, and, and so I began to wait, and I read his word, and I worship, and I just say, God, I need to get my heart and my mind, and I need to get myself in alignment to position myself to obey whatever it is that you have to say. And I love in that Habakkuk 2.1 where Habakkuk says, I will stand on my watch. There was a, you know, again, I can't read his heart motive, but there was a disposition where he desires to hear God speak into his life. Do we have that? Do we really care? So many times, uh, you know, we'll be talking with somebody, and you'll ask them. They're, they're going to do this. They're going to do that. And uh, certainly know that, Susanna, this is not true of you. And then you ask them, well, what has the Lord told you to do? Huh? You mean he's involved in this? I thought I was just going to take another job. I thought I was just going to move over here. I thought I was just, well, what has God said? Or... A lot of times they'll preface because they know what pastors, elders will say. They'll say, hey, I just want to let you know, I've prayed about this. And that's kind of like saying, so don't, 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 you don't need this. I've already prayed about this. And, and when they do that, I say, okay. I mean, I'm not going to go against God. If you said you prayed for it and this is what God told you, you don't need me. I don't want to interfere. And oftentimes, because we've done it, let's be honest. We haven't prayed. We've only kind of prayed in the sense of, God, just give me the peace as I'm kind of doing my thing. Don't, don't rattle it too much as I go through this season of trying to... We're not aligning ourselves to really be conformed to what He wants us to do or listen. Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch. I'm going to align myself to hear what you have to say. Thirdly, a third principle is not only a hunger to hear, an alignment for an answer, but I would say thirdly, in chapter 3 we see that Habakkuk, there must be a uh, clarification in order to correct. Here's what I mean by that. I told you in chapter 3, God gives his answer, and this is, and it isn't what Habakkuk wanted to hear. God says, I am raising up Israel's enemies now to be my instruments, my hands of judgment. And Habakkuk was like, God, you, how could you do that? You're so holy. How could you even work with those pagan unbelievers? But this is what I love about Habakkuk. It's what we see in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, is that if we are going to hear the voice of God in that alignment, having that hunger and being aligned for His answer, most of the time it needs to be, it's a word that clarifies and oftentimes doesn't just clarify, but it even goes far as correcting us. Look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. And again, there's, there's a lot more to it. You'd have to go back and read the uh, chapter 2 of Habakkuk. But Habakkuk says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, 
O Lord, I have heard the report of you and of your work, O Lord, do I fear. He says, I've heard the report of you and of your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, because that's what God says he's getting ready to do, but he says in wrath, remember mercy. Here's the, here's the point of chapter 3 and that third principle is that if we are going to hear the voice of God, we need to make sure that there's always clarification and sometimes that clarification brings correction. You see, Habakkuk heard God's voice. It clarified the will of the Lord and it corrected himself to follow God's direction. If, we're, if there's no hunger, genuine hunger, not for God just a rubber stamp, your sinful uh, inclinations, but if there's a, an alignment saying, God, I'm ready for your answer, come what may. Even if it makes me, even if it upsets me because it's not what I want to do. I want to do it now. I want an answer now. I want change. I want this. I want that. God, I'm going to align myself and predispose myself that I'm going to receive whatever it is you have for my life. And I believe that as I walk in that disobedience, there's going to be peace and contentment. You see, if you make decisions and you're constantly in a spiritual turmoil and frustration, like wheels that aren't aligned, it's probably because you've never had an alignment where you just said, God, thy will be done, not my will. You see, Jesus, you could even almost go as far as to say this. Uh, Hopefully we wouldn't uh, be treading on any heresy, but there's something, again, that we have need to remind ourselves of the humanity of Christ, that when Jesus was in that garden and he prayed, Father, not, it's, you know, that my desire would have this cup, speaking of his death, do what? I, hu- humanly speaking, I don't want to die. Is that fair? I, I want this cup to... But then he says, why? Because... He lived a life of spiritual alignment. Not my will, but thy will be done. You can go back and look at Jesus' life, and he said, I only speak, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. He lived a life as an example of perfect spiritual alignment. Jesus never had to be corrected by his heavenly Father. We do. We oftentimes have to do it a lot. Habakkuk received clarification, and it corrected him. And he could almost say Habakkuk said, God, okay, I hear you. I got it. And I'm on track with whatever you're going to do. Well, how do you know that? Because it's the fourth principle here and that there was faith to follow. There was hunger to hear. He was aligned for an answer. Hearing God brings clarification and correction. And fourthly, there was faith to follow. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in is the substance, it's content, it's in the Word of God, it's in the promises of God. And so how do we see, given that this wasn't exactly what Habakkuk was looking for, how do we see faith here? 
Look at chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And if you don't have, if you don't have these marked, uh, if you don't have the, know where this is, this to me is some of the most encouraging and, again, uplifting portions, especially knowing where Habakkuk began and where he concludes in Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19. Now, let's just, again, remind ourselves where he's traveled. He's complaining against all the evil going on in his nation. God answers him, not what he wanted to hear, but God says, I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to execute judgment. Habakkuk complained, pushed back against God, and God just reminded him, Habakkuk, I'm God, you're not. And Habakkuk, by faith, submitted to the purposes of God and listen to these verses. I hope that you have your Bibles or some form where you can see them. He says, now, at the conclusion of all this, he doesn't have the answer he wants, but here's the, one of the most faithful statements in all Scripture. He says, though the fig tree does not bud... And there's no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet, verse 18, I will. That's an act of the will. That isn't just, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord, the NIV says, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. That's a faithful statement. Again, don't, don't get focused on horticulture and, and, and agriculture and, you know, you know uh, sheep and no food, no olive crops. It just, that's, he's saying, when I have absolutely zero evidence... To hang my faith on. Isn't that what true faith is? Faith doesn't come by what? Seeing by sight. It's when God, all I have, and this really is the ultimate act of faith. I say all that we have, it really is the only thing that's necessary. Is I have you. I have nothing else. Everything else around me, the wheels, the spokes, the rivets, they're all popping out, falling off. But just to go back to the illustration of Jesus in that ship in the storm. I know you're in my ship. And I know if you're in my ship, nothing, nothing harmful can happen to me. Because you're with me. And I trust you. See, that's what faith is. It's trust. Trust. Not trust when everything's going great. Not trust when all the money and all this. It's trusting God when you have nothing to hold on to. And that's what he's saying. Yet, verse 18, yet, in spite of no evidence, God, in spite of nothing, I, I'm just going to have to trust you. And, re, and it, it didn't just say, he says, I will not only, he says, notice this, I'm just going to bear down, grit my teeth, and obey God. Is that what he says? He says, I will do what? I'm going to rejoice and be joyful. In you. How different from the complaint that he started out in chapter one. No panic, tremendous peace, confidence. 
in God. God didn't give him all the answers that he wanted, did he? And if you read Habakkuk like Job, remember in the book of Job when God begins and says, hey, where were you when I created this? Where are you when these seasons, I mean, help me out here. You want to help me? Uh, where are you when all, what did, what did he do? Again, like with Job, what did he do with Habakkuk? He just, and that's what we need. We need more of God. We need to think more God thoughts. We need to think bigger thoughts of this God that we worship and we serve. For in that, that's where genuine faith is strengthened. We've got to have a hunger. That's our attitude. What's our attitude? We must be in alignment to receive, not just receive an answer, but to receive His answer. Well, God, I'll, 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 I'll give you time as long as you just, you're going to validate my... No, no, no. Do you really want to hear God? Do you really want to know His answer? Because it may be totally opposite of what, you, what you're predisposed for. God, do you... Uh, okay, I haven't asked you, and the wedding is Saturday. Is this person that I'm going to marry the one for me? No. God, my hearing's a little... I, I, I didn't hear you. There was some distract... Okay, well, I, you know what? I know what you're saying, God, but I, I just... I know I can change them. I remember one time a preacher said, you know, that people facetiously kind of say, bless this marriage, yeah, I prayed, or whatever. And then they, they get down to the marriage ceremony which is a covenant making before God. And what are they in essence doing? They're saying, God bless this marriage. And God's like, okay, it's going to be painful for a while, but I'll bless it because I've got two people that are out of alignment with the... And you want me to bless you? See, we just think blessing is just sprinkle pixie dust and the yellow brick road and magic money in the mailbox and... right. What is the ultimate act of blessing as us for to be conformed to who Jesus is? Do we want anything less, people? Do we, do we want to settle for anything else than to be like Christ? You've got to have a hunger, an alignment, an adjustment. Be ready to correct faulty thinking. And that's when we can take action to follow God confidently. Why? Because we've heard his voice.